Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Season 6 of Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we take a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me for the sixth season is Palmer. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I can't believe that we've actually made it through half of yes, the we're on the, Best Picture nominees. We're on the downhill side now. Oh, thank goodness, because it's... Not this. Not that. Not that I don't like this, but like it's always easier going downhill. Like now I can see the. Now I can see the the light at the end of the tunnel. Like right. Oh god. Yeah. We're we're almost there, guys. We we're almost four, there. Three, two, one, zero. This is great. Yeah. Counting and then when we're done, I'll have stuff. to come up with some other labor-intensive podcast to do that you can do by yourself because uh, because we still have. I mean, how long? How many years have we been doing this? Like three, three years. So we still have about two to four years worth of podcasting on this topic alone. I was thinking about that. Um, with the way we've been going, we would probably finish recording this season by the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, next season will be, you know, usually during winter break for Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so we average about two to two and a half seasons a an actual calendar year. Yeah. Okay. That's not bad. That's not, that's, that's pretty good. We'll see if we yeah. can, let's see if we can get it to three this year. Let's see what happens. Well, I mean, quarantine is happening, so it's right. well, I, yeah, making things quarant- a lot easier. Quarantine has helped especially actually for 2014 because you know this is the post dark knight like we want more than five movies era of the academy awards so um so quarantine's been very it was very helpful this year in recording this 2014 episode i mean to be fair it wasn't it wasn't we want more than five movies it was we want good movies nominated for best picture so the academy was like you mean more movies yeah that's also true yeah and it's funny because some of the movies that I think were nominated because they were like, here you go. Here's more movies. Didn't win a single award. <laughs> Not yep. a one. So, and we'll get into that starting now. Palmer, um, the, fo- the movies that were nominated for the 2014 best picture category for the Academy Awards were as follows. Philomena, Nebraska, Captain Phillips, the Wolf of Wall Street, her gravity, American hustle, the Dal- uh, Dallas Buyers Club and Twelve Years a Slave. Palmer, I know you remember this far back in your life. What won Best Picture? Twelve Years a Slave. That is correct. Twelve Years a Slave did, in fact, win Best Picture. Uh, and so we'll talk about that one last, and we'll go in that order. Starting up until with... up until this past year, Twelve Years a Slave was, I believe, the only Academy Award that Brad Pitt got. Really? Yeah. Really. Just for because he did, did he produce? He was it? a producer on it. Yep. Gotcha, gotcha. I was gonna say he definitely didn't win for his five minutes of screen time. Like, who does he think he is? Judy Dench? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Speaking of Judy Dench, let's start with Philomena, directed okay. by Stephen Frears, written by Steve Coogan and Jeff Pope, based on the book by Martin Sixsmith, starring Judy Dench and Steve Coogan, nominated for Best Picture, Actress for Judy Dench, Music. 
and adapted screenplay. This movie won zero awards. Uh, hmm. It is a, a, a true story about a world-weary political journalist, uh, Martin Sixsmith, who picks up a story of a woman's search for her son who was taken away from her decades ago after she became pregnant and was forced to live in a convent. Um, Palmer, this is one of the only ones that I had seen from this line uh, from this year of movies. I'd see actually I'd seen Philomena, Wolf of Wall Street, Her, Gravity, American Hustle, and Twelve Years Slave. So I saw about half. Um, but I <laughs> this is one of the only six I, movies so, I, I saw. Apparently, I had seen more than I thought, and for some reason, it just felt long, like more. Um, but I, and I had only seen it on I had only seen it on a plane. Like I was coming back from somewhere, and I was like, "Oh, Judy Dench. I like Judy Dench." Uh, let's what and I like Steve Coogan a lot actually. So yeah. let's uh, so let's watch this. I loved it on the plane, and I loved it even more this time around. I I really I really enjoyed Philomena. I think it's uh, I think it's an emotionally manipulative movie, but in the right way. If that makes okay, sense. Like so it, it's a it it's wants a pic- you. So it's a better version of a Pixar movie. Kind of, yeah, yeah. It's a live action for sure. It it, it could it could have veered. And become a Hallmark special, right? But I think everybody involved, like the entire creative team, kind of elevates the material that we're working with here. And so it doesn't feel as corny or trite as it could. And I, th- and I think it's just, a, it's just a really good piece of cinema. I think part of that is from the fact that it's based on a true story. So to get to that, to get to that hallmark level, you're gonna need to change some facts. Sure. And you know, that's that's I think what stops it. The fact that, you know, her son is dead doesn't spoilers. Yeah. You know, yes. yes. Look, I mean, at this point yeah. people know they're, <laughs> they're getting spoiled. Maybe we have six seasons first, in. Maybe this was the first episode they chose to listen to. Spoiler no, that's always the Titanic all... episode. <laughs> that's yeah, actually that is actually true. But um, uh, although Wolf of Wall Street very popular, could be could be that. Um, yeah, but but yes, we spoil all the movies. So yeah, anyway, but I mean, I I agree with you. Like when it came out, I didn't watch it, so this was a new to me. Um, basically, just because it looked very Britishy and dry. Mm-hmm. Even though I do like Judy Dench and Steve Coogan, I think is a is a good actor, but he sometimes picks movies that aren't for me. Yes, I I agree with that. I think he's better than a lot of the material that he works with. Right. And, so, and, except for this, yeah, yeah, no this this movie works out really good. It took it took turns that I didn't think were going to be it. Like I thought it was going to be more of a stereotypical ending. Like even when you find out, even when he finds out her son died, Mm -hmm. like I looked at the time and it was like another half hour in the movie, maybe a little bit more. And I'm like, Oh, they're going to be like, Oh, my son died for like 10 minutes. And then it turns out it wasn't him and it was somebody else. Right. Mm -hmm. But it, but it wasn't. Unless there's a scene missing, it's no, I no, I don't no, think so. No, but yeah. but I, I think you're right. You said before that like it is because it's a true story that it doesn't like when you know that, especially if you know that going into the movie, and you're like, okay, wow, so that's really who her son was. Wow, that's unexpected, and wow, that's what he, that's who he was, and what he did, and this happened here, and they were right there. It like it's set up 
like a movie, but in mm-hmm. real life. And I think right. that that's kind of the strength of the movie. I will say one of the things that I, one of the negatives, and it's not really a negative on the movie, more just on the character. And I don't know if it was changed a little to give a little dramatic tension, mm-hmm. but there are, there are plenty of times that Coogan's character, like, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, you're just really using this woman's story for your own personal ends. Like, he he almost, like, continuously talks her into keep going for his own benefit. That's true. I That feels a little bit of a, a script to me. Um mm-hmm. Because, I mean, these people were alive when this movie came out. I mean, this took place in the early 2000s, like late 90s, I think, 95 or something like that um, was when the real story, when like when the, the real events occurred or um, just a little bit after that, because her son died in 95. So I think like, you know, so it's somewhere between 95 and 2002 this yeah. you know all of this occurred um, yeah the postscript of the movie states that they're still both alive so that was right. six and, years and, ago right and actually uh martin sixsmith like part of the reason that he didn't work for downing street anymore was because of like a some comment like email comments he had made and mm-hmm. like but he had referenced 9-11 in it so even this would have to have been like post 11 yeah right um i i i see what you're saying about uh six um six smith's character coogan's um steve coogan's character but there is like you can see him turn in the movie where he becomes uncomfortable like getting pressured into like keeping her in america you know to find more stuff but she ends up making a lot of decisions on her own that he just Mm -hmm. says yeah oh well that worked out for me so okay yeah all right no problem yeah. yeah. So um so you you like he starts selfishly but then like but then becomes invested in the correct way cuz that's like the whole confrontation at the end where like he he's like I'm angry and they're like this isn't actually about you. And so like he becomes right. more invested than he originally was initially. And see it's weird I'm I'm kind of glad you brought that up we can discuss this a little bit. Like in that scene I don't feel he's angry on on Philomena's part. No, he's not. Like, he's angry for himself. Yeah, I agree. And I don't even I don't even think it's I don't even think it's to that extent. Like most of the movie, he comes off and is very demonstrably almost anti-religious or at least anti-Catholic Church, and you can. You can say, well, in the movie, you see reasons why, like you, like mm-hmm. her being forced to give up the baby, her being sent to a convent because she had sex and mm-hmm. forcibly shamed by the nuns. Like, yeah, none of that's good, but he just chooses to use that more to a gripe with the church overall. That's true. Yeah, and, and I so, think, and I think that I think that speaks to a how many people are like like a lot of atheism is about like being upset with the um being upset with stru- the structure of organized religion and then and then 
then wrapping other things in that mm-hmm. without um, well, kind of wrapping spirituality into that, even though they without exploring each end. Right. So I just feel like his anger comes from like he like this is his moment to really justify his lack of belief. Mm-hmm. And I just I just don't like the the tact that the movie that the movie uses for it. And again, this, you know, this is based on a true story. So this is probably closer to the real life person than anything. And I'm not super religious. Like I, I believe in God and that, and I don't care if you're an atheist or not. Um, I just feel like he's using very specific points to lambaste something overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, it's funny that you say that because the book is uh, the book, the book Philomena, uh, the, the 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 book the movie is based on, is written by Martin Sixsmith. So I would assume, right. by by that point, that like the, maybe like he really did feel that way, and he like and that was like a shortcoming on his own part. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that he, even though he's angry, there is a resolve from that point on from um, Philomena herself. You know, right. like that, like she teaches him something, just as he teaches her some things. Uh, yeah, and so yeah. But anyway, I really enjoy. I really enjoyed this movie. I'm glad it's, that I watched it again. It's well crafted. It's well acted. I wouldn't say anything particularly stands out. Like Judy Dench is fine. She's not as great as as um, she has been in the past. She certainly wasn't as great as her role in Shakespeare in Love. Her eight minutes of fame. Yeah, um, I actually disagree there. I think the music is particularly good in Philomena because it's it's Alexander Desplat and he he plays it almost like a like a twisted lullaby or like a little music box that you find in a nursery or something like that. And it's really like this this somber lullaby is kind of the main motif that keeps recurring over and over and over again. And I really liked that because she's forced to Philomena was forced to give up her baby at a young age. And so like that, what is supposed to be something that is peaceful and quiet, the music is actually something that is um, kind of um, discordant and, and, uh, and melancholy. And I enjoyed that quite a bit. And I thought Dench was great. Sometimes I can recognize Judy Dench within the part, and but this mm-hmm. one, you know, she affects a, an Irish accent, and you know, I think she's a little doting and grandmotherly. Yeah, she does. Yeah, it's there. Mm-hmm. It's okay, definitely there. Yeah, um, because it was I. Because sometimes when people do accents, and you're so used to the, how their regular voice, you're like, oh, that's not your voice. Um, and so it threw me a couple of times, and. Um, um, but I thought she was I thought she was wonderful in a way that you don't because normally she's so hard hitting in a lot of mm-hmm. her pieces. Right. She's really sharp and witty and and almost like dangerous in some ways. And she's like just like this, like benign, like everyone's one in a million grandmother. And I think that it's actually almost not typical of a lot of the roles that she plays. And so I, I yeah, I thought she was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, That's fun. Fun facts. Fun facts. Fun facts. At the beginning of this movie, when Philomena has sex at the fair, the camera pans down to an apple with a bite taken. It's <gasps> not, it's a not so subtle reference to original sin. Bam. Nailed yep. it. 
Fun fact, apples don't grow in the part of the world that the Garden of Eden would probably have been. And if it was a thing, maybe it wasn't. Who's to say? And uh, so the Bible, apples, the Bible, Bible never says apple. Uh, it only says fruit. And so um, we right. just tell kids apple because it's a fruit that kids recognize. We all know apples, the only fruit. Yes, it's the only one. Yes, correct. Yep. When I, when Ireland's RTE one showed this on St. Patrick's Day in 2016, they skipped over all of the opening animated co-production partner production company credits that included the Weinstein Company, Path, BBC Films, the UK National Lottery, and the BFI, British Film Institute. It's plausible that this may have been done as a creative broadcasting choice due to such an Irish subject being co-funded by many British companies on a day celebrating Irishness may have caused offense to some. That's hilarious. I love yeah. that. Yeah. At the time of the production, the Irish government and the Catholic church had not separated. Hence no Irish involvement in this very important movie at all. Hmm. Well, there you go. Um, I have a fun fact. I thought it was actually going to be in your fun fact. So I didn't say anything earlier. Um, the, the real Phil Amina, um, and Steve Coogan met Pope Francis who watched this movie. I mean, everybody's met Pope Francis. Oh yeah. What's he like? Tell me about him. He's nice. Yeah. He skateboards. <laughs> skateboards. He loves skateboards. Yeah. He loves um, skateboarding. Yeah. Wow. And parkour. Yeah. Who'd have thought? Uh, yes. They, they, just a couple of years ago, obviously, cause this didn't come out too long ago, but yeah, she met Pope Francis and all that good stuff. She's like, Oh, I never really thought I'd meet the Pope. And I'm like, well, no one really <laughs> does. So there are very few people in the world who are like, well, obviously I want to meet the Pope. So that's my fun fact. Okay. Ready to move on? Yeah. Let's, let's talk about Nebraska directed by Alexander Payne, written by Bob Nelson. Starring Bruce Dern, Will Forte, June Squibb, Stacey Keach, and Bob Odenkirk. Nominated for Best Picture, Actor for Dern, Supporting Actress for Squibb, Cinematography, Directing, and Screenplay. This won zero awards. Mm -hmm. uh, the plot revolves around an aging, booze-addled father, Bruce Dern, making his trip from Montana to Nebraska with his estranged son uh, in order to claim a million-dollar Mega Sweepstakes marketing prize. Okay. Have you, see, have you seen Nebraska before? I have a couple things off the bat. One, okay. I don't think the word estranged is right in the no, in the uh, a, context of the yeah. movie because he's yeah, something. they have a relationship. Like it's not they a great do. relationship. They just they're just not they're just not close. They don't have a right. Um, my my summary of the movie is much better, and Please that is you. that is Nebraska starring Bruce Dern and uh, Will Forte is a quaint comedy of a son taking his father, Bernie Sanders, to Nebraska to try and win a million dollars. Because every every time Bruce Dern is on screen in this movie, I just kept thinking of the meme online now of Bernie Sanders with his hair kind of out of balance mm -hmm. looking at the looking at the cameras like, once again I am asking you to Oh, and then no, you fill in whatever, great. but yeah, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad that I didn't know that was in your brain before I watched this movie because I wouldn't have gotten it out of it. Uh, I had never seen Nebraska. I was really taken with it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's about 20 minutes too long. That's really my only 
Okay. Um, it's it's really it's really like it just kind of goes a little bit longer than it needs to, and it it does a couple of the same things over again. Like it, it loops some uh, like some of the same scenes. They don't really build on one another. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, but I I really enjoyed Dern and Forte and like and their back and forth. Uh, and especially when um, when June Squibb came on board, and I in- kind of enjoyed everybody messing around. Um, I liked this, I think, more than um, uh, Sideways, which is the last Alexander Absolutely. movie we watched. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I would say I had thought about this, and I'm not saying we should ever do this. But one of the things that everyone tries to get the Academy to do is best ensemble, oh, which sure. I which I don't think is something the Academy should do. But I would say, like, if we did ensemble cast, this wins easily because everyone, no one does a great job, but everyone together is great, is better than yes. the sum of everyone's parts. And every like the way they play off of each other. The way they their back and forth convos, I I thought are really good. Um, like in the car after they steal the air compressor, yes. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, that's not his house. Well, why didn't you say something? I was wondering what the hell you kids were up to. Have you ever seen us steal anything? No, I figured you wanted it. <laughs> no, I'm not. I liked when he was like, "No, I don't know what you do in the middle of the night or something like that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie was it was very funny. I enjoy. I really loved at the beginning when Will Forte's girl, um, extra, like ex girlfriend or whatever, shows up at the door and she's got suitcases and he's like, yeah. "Are you moving back in?" She's like, "No, this is your stuff." And he's like, "Oh." And okay. she's like, those those are plants. You have to water them. He's like, oh, and then he like runs into the kitchen with a plant. <laughs> uh, it was great. I re- I really this was actually the first movie I watched in this whole lineup, and it set a yep. really good tone right from the start. I was like, this oh man, it was all downhill from there. Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, but I mean, I don't think so. I'll listen up. I mean, obviously, I enjoyed Philomena very much. And yeah. So, um, uh, June, June Squibb was hilarious, especially uh, her scene her kind of bits of monologue in the cemetery. Oh, yeah. And this how... is what you could have got. Horrible. And this is your dad's little sister who died at 19. What a whore. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, she was... I thought everybody was great. And Bruce Dern did a lot without saying a lot. And I think that's very, right. that's very difficult. Um, and so he got, he, he really got the, I'm sad, I'm sad and confused down very well. Um, and that's, that's not easy. Much much like Bernie Sanders. Maybe potentially, um, alienating um, listeners. I'm not alienating listeners. I'm saying he's good at it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, no, you're right. Bruce Dern was. Bruce Stone was really good, and I fully agree that this movie, I think, is actually a lot better than Sideways. I think Sideways, there's just an inherent sadness that the movie doesn't overcome. Mm-hmm. And this movie, it kind of starts with that inherent sadness, and it's still prevalent, but the movie actually become, like overcomes it. And there's like three or four scenes that I just like... L- 
laughed out loud, which is a rare occasion when you're watching a comedy alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is actually true, because normally it's just in your head, right? Mm -hmm. like, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's funny. I see. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, give me some fun facts for Nebraska. Fun facts. Nebraska is in the United States. Wow, what a twist. Yeah. Alexander Payne's first experience shooting in black and white with digital cameras in it and anamorphic lenses. Paramount initially balked at Payne's choice to shoot in black and white, but relented when previews yielded positive feedback. Hmm. Bruce. Hmm? I said, I said, hmm. I'm surprised okay. that they let him get that far, even though they didn't like it. That's interesting. Well, this was off the heels of The Descendants with George Clooney, and that oh, sure. was a critical darling. So that's actually what helped him get this movie made. He's been trying to make it for years prior to that. Gotcha. Bruce Stern's roadside urination was not simulated. Wait, it, Bruce, Bruce Stern's what? Roadside urination was not simulated. Was not, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Alexander I, Payne I, cast Will Forte because he said Forte reminded him of the kind of guy you see around Omaha, the largest city in Nebraska. Forte was born and raised in California. <laughs> well, you know, that's fine. Whatever. He does have that kind of country bumpkin, you know, like uh, he does. Yeah. At ease, you know. I it was I didn't know Will Forte was in this before I started watching it and like making you know my my sheet for the show and everything. And mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know though I've ever seen Will Forte do something serious before. Like, and it was very enjoyable. Does not yeah. get enough credit for being Will Forte. He does uh, not. Although I I still think there was a missed opportunity to cast Laura Dern and have it as a brother and sister. It possibly it, it could have been great. It could have been. Although you mean father and you mean, oh, you just mean, um, you mean instead of Bob Odenkirk, do Laura Dern? No, instead of Will Forte, do Laura Dern. Keep Bob Odenkirk. I like Bob oh, Odenkirk. So it would be a so it would be a father daughter daughter traveling. brother sister brother right. sister. Traveling. Well, because the brother shows up eventually. Yeah, Bob Odenkirk, who is also great. Um, all right, let's move on to Captain Phillips, directed by Paul Greengrass. Written by Billy Ray, based on the, the book. Green grass crew all around duty. and around in the green grass crew all around. Let me finish what I'm saying. A Captain's Duty, Somali Pirates, Navy SEALs, and the Dangerous Days at Sea by Richard Phillips and Stephen Talty. Starring Tom Hanks, Barkhad Abdi, and Catherine Keener. But, I mean, not really. She was in, like, a scene. But, um, but she was in it. And nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Abdi, Editing Sound, Editing Sound Mixing, Adapted Screenplay, this movie won zero awards okay. true story of captain richard phillips of massachusetts fame um and no, 2000, he lived in vermont but he was from massachusetts which is why tom hanks had a boston accent the whole time i just naturally assume they think everybody in the northeast has that same accent oh no i looked it up he was from massachusetts so okay. he moved to vermont though. man you're gonna get really upset with the fun facts though. <laughs> oh really yeah. Why? Are they all no. wrong? No, they're all they're all right. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, I might not get so upset about them. Um, the true story of Captain Richard Phillips and the 2009 hijack hijacking by Somali hijack. pirates hijack Somali pirates by the U.S. flagged MV Mazurk, Alabama, the first American cargo ship to be hijacked in 200 years. This movie was super boring. I ever since like it. Ever since the bounty was hijacked. 
Yeah, that was it. Um, yeah, <laughs> I I had not seen it, and I mean, I know the meme, the fame, you know, like look at me, look at me, I am the captain now. Like I know yeah. that because that's you know that's a great gif. Um, but I, I honestly, I didn't care. I just, wow. I, I am such, I had such a hard time caring. I am absolutely shocked um, because you like, you'll criticize me for deciding before a movie, whether or not I like it or not. Yeah. And I, this one I was, this one I was excited about. I, I can really sometimes criticize you on liking something just because a certain somebody is in it. Yep. So I'm actually oh, surprised you to hear you say that about Tom like Hanks because because it just um I thought he was fine. I thought he was you know I thought and I, there, the scene I, at the I think the last like 15 minutes he's extraordinarily good. Like he's he's great when like he like the final rescue and he like reacts to their deaths and like on the shit like all of that stuff was really outstanding. Like he was he's so good, but it wasn't enough for me to to to, to care much. I don't know what it was. I just could not get into it, and I I just couldn't. I don't know why. So uh, this wasn't in my fun facts, but so the. Um... The Navy SEALs and the doctor at the end, pretty much all of the uh, military personnel, save for yep. the guy who heads operations, mm-hmm. is all real military personnel. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. Um, like so, like, the doctor was told, like, the doctor, when she's examining him at the end, she was just told, you know, do your normal job that you would do in this case. And... And she was actually, she was actually uh, really nervous and she was kind of like stuttering and messing up her lines. And Hanks was like, uh, in this scene, I'm the one who's supposed to be nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. So (laughs) um, I will say, like, I remember, I don't remember a lot, but I remember when this incident happened, hearing it on the news, hearing it. Mm -hmm hearing it through bits and pieces and it sounded like a much more interesting uh, story than what it actually was. And I'm not saying the, the final 10 minutes, like you said, isn't interesting at all or that there isn't some sort of tension where the pirates board the boat and are looking for everybody. There's definitely some of that, but like they're on the boat and then they're like, all right, let's go. You let's go take the escape boat, and then we're just all cramped inside this escape boat for mm-hmm. for a little while, with the same sort of um, with the same sort of dynamic that there yep. was in the cockpit, but there's nothing else around. Right. It's just an hour of like panicky energy. Right. So yeah, I. This movie just wasn't I don't hate it and I don't I don't I think I like it a little bit more than you do. But it's a three, it's a three out of five for me. Like I can yeah. like it's all really well done. I personally I don't know if I yeah. get emotionally invested. Maybe that's me, Definitely. but maybe it's the movie. Part of it I think is like I know Captain Phillips survives. Like I know he does. Oh so, no, you can't use that. 
Well, no, I don't because I don't I've know used that before, and you keep shouting me down. No, no, no. Like, I'm. Don't get me wrong. Like, I don't. I don't know if I'm not invested because I know he's not in real danger. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, in a way, you are. Like, but um, but I'm not. But I wasn't even invested in his character. That's why I say like I'm not sure if that's it. Even though mm. it was Tom Hanks, like I like I just I just am not. I'm just not there. Yeah, I just wasn't there for it. And I'm I've not been a fan. I've not been a huge fan of Paul Greengrass's stuff. Um, he did one of the Bourne movies, and I never. I think he did. I think he did two of them. He maybe might have. three. No, I'll he didn't do all three. Uh, well, there's he, there's more than I'm not counting the one with Jason Jeremy Bourne. Rainer. The Bourne he did. Uh, he did actually no. He did a lot of them. Um, he did the Bourne Supremacy. Born yeah. Ultimatum so and two. Jason Bourne. He did three of them. Yeah, I don't count that last one. Well, yeah, but I mean, it is a movie, and it's a Jason Bourne movie, so. Yeah, but that's the one with um, Hawkeye, right? No, no, that's the other. That's the other one. That's the Bourne something something or other. The Jason Jason Bourne is the one that ignores the Jeremy Renner movie. It was a fourth Jason Bourne movie. Yeah, hold on, I'll I'll look it up for you. Huh. I know there was. I know that, um, like, one of the reasons that they uh, did the Jeremy Rayner version was because Damon had said, like, he would only come back to the franchise if Greengrass was was doing it. And the studio was like, nah, we're good. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's. So there was the born. I, there's the born identity. Right. That's uh, the first one. And then. And then Born Supremacy, Supremacy. and Ultimatum, which, yeah. which were Greengrass. And then the Born Legacy, which okay. was which was Renner. And then Greengrass and Matt Damon came back for Jason Bourne, which is hmm. the fifth in the franchise. I don't remember that one, but okay. Um, so I've never really loved, like I said, I've never really loved his movies. I've never been that high on the Bourne series to begin with. I skipped the second movie. I thought the third one was all right. I hated the first one. And I think it was just the overall story mm-hmm. that I dislike. Um, and then he did uh, United 93, which I still have. Iffy feelings about. I, I have zero interest in it. Like, it's again, I know what happens and it's not something I really feel like watching. Mm. Um, yeah. So so he takes he takes on some difficult subjects to begin with, but I don't know. I think he's a little bit overhyped as a director. Personally, I know actors love working with him, so there's that. Like, yeah, he's an I mean, actor's he director. Very, he so, could be a very nice yeah. guy. He just doesn't make movies that I, I'm particularly invested in, and I don't think that they're anything outstanding. They're not anything mm-hmm. that I like. Like, you need to, you need to see this because it, it's great cinema. But, I mean, even if you look at the stuff that was nominated... Outside of picture, it was supporting actor, editing, sound, editing, and mixing, and screenplay. Those really aren't like green grass's area in the same way, you know. Like so, like so, like it's not like he got nominated for best director here. And right. so, this movie, like Captain Phillips, is definitely one of the movies that is sitting in the now we have to nominate more than five movies. Movies. Yeah, but unfortunately, I think that's. 
you couldn't say that with a lot of these movies. So at some point, like someone really should have should have really been like, there aren't any other movies. Like I, I tweeted this as I was watching some of these movies and I was like, was this a prank year? Like now, how did I've, some of these movies get nominated? Well, I can like, I can see why Philomena got nominated. It's if it's, it's like a well-made, it's good. Um, Nebraska, same thing. Um, it's, those are the type of material that the, the Academy likes, you know, they're true stories or their dynamic, you know, relationship, you know, juxtapositions or anything like that captain phillips is a is a re, is a true story another true story um that was you know pretty recent you know five years previously so you know i think that there's you know and then wolf and then we keep going wolf of wall street is a scorsese so it's going to get nominated yeah. and blah, blah, blah it's going to so. it's going to get nominated and not win yeah keep going <laughs> yep, yep keep going yep exactly yep. so anyway so give me some fun facts or or some terrible facts about captain okay. phillips apparently Prior to the bridge takeover scene, Paul Greengrass told Barkhad Abdi to own it. Abdi lost sleep the previous night in anticipation of the first acting experience. The next day, his his improvision of the line, look at me, look at me, I'm the captain now, was the clip used at his awards consideration. After Abdi and his fellow actors dropped character, Tom Hanks' first words to him were, so you're from Minnesota. (laughs) <laughs> that's great that's great i didn't know that line was ab that's good like, good for him yeah. like good for good for him the irony of the entire incident was that the u.s navy ship the uss bainbridge had a historic connection with pirates in that the ship is named for the commander of the only ship lost to pirates in the barbar the barbary wars William Bainbridge and his crews were captured by the Barbary pirates and spent 19 months in the hands of the Pasha of Tripoli. For the USS Bainbridge, this was payback for that incident. Huh. Well, there you go. And now this one's a little bit longer, but it uh, it kind of puts the movie into context, I think. Okay. A number of the crew members sued the shipping line because of their ordeal and because of the alleged incompetence of Captain Phillips. Ship's officers described the real Captain Phillips as being arrogant, self-righteous, and sullen. One of the officers said nobody wanted to sail with him. He was also accused of willfully ignoring anti-piracy protocols. He had repeatedly seen the plotted locations of some 50 ships attacked in the area over the previous month and received multiple emails that warned him of danger. Despite being advised to say 600 miles from the coast, he was more interested in keeping the schedule and was only 240 miles from the coast. Also, when the attacking boats were visually spotted as being on only three miles away, he refused a suggestion that they suspend the fire drill and prepare to repel the pirates. Instead, he ordered them to undertake a lifeboat drill. Also, unlike depicted in the films, Phillips didn't instruct the crew to hide or shut down the power as per the protocols. Rather, they decided to do this on their own. The hero in real life was the ship's chief engineer, not the captain. Well, what do you want? He was from Vermont anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's very interesting. It actually makes me feel better about not really caring for this movie. Yep. Yep. So... Lesson, uh, lesson of the movie. Kathleen Keener, even though she has like a scene, is great. Tom Hanks is <laughs> great because he's Tom Hanks, and uh, 
Actually, Abdi was very good, but I, yeah. yep, you know, like, eh, whatever. Okay, let's move on. Yeah. Wolf, The Wolf of Wall Street, directed by Martin Scorsese, uh, written by Terrence Winter, based on the book by Jordan Belfort. Or, I guess, the memoir by Jordan Belfort. Um, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Jonah Hill, Margot Robbie, John Barenthal, and many, many more people that I didn't really want to write all their names down. Because, good lord, there are a lot of people in here, including Carl Reiner and John Favreau and just a lot of good people. Not, a lot of not good Carl actors. Reiner. Rob Reiner. Right. Carl Reiner's great, too. But Rob Reiner is in this movie, uh, who is also great. Um this movie was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor for DiCaprio, Supporting Actor for Hill, Director, uh, and Adapted Screenplay. It also won zero awards. Much Based like, on the tru- much the, like the, the uh, I was going to say the last Scorsese movie. The Irishman. Yes. Um, and then Silence was the one before that. Um Based on the true story of Jordan Belfort from his rise to uh, from his rise to a wealthy stockbroker living in the high life and his fall uh, to his fall involving crime, corruption, and the federal government. Um, halfway through this movie, I realized I had only ever seen half of it, uh, which was very inter- interesting to me because it is so freaking long. Halfway so through long. this movie, I thought to myself, "Wow, there's still two hours left of this movie." That's why I was like, "Okay, like I got to the scene on the yacht." with um kyle chandler who's also in this movie who's also great and and i was like oh my god there's a whole other part of this movie like what is happening um that being said i didn't care for this the first time i saw it but i really i actually really enjoyed it this time around um because i i took it Potentially as it's supposed to be, as it's supposed to be farce, you know, and it's like it's real life because in a, in a way this is based on the, the book by Jordan Belfort, you know, recounting his own life. Um, who is in this movie? I'm not sure if that was one of your fun facts or not. Nope. He's the guy at the end that introduces Leonardo DiCaprio in New Zealand. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's him. Um, but I uh, I thought everybody was – I thought everybody was really good good in it it just like it it wants the movie's tone and energy wants it to like it wants you to feel like it's like a drug infused like cocaine induced like frenzy and then mm-hmm. and it never really lets that pace go until no, that... about the last half hour of the movie right but i mean that was that was done purposely it, no, 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 I know. And I think that's like, I think that's where it really works. It's it's just actually exhausting to like watch after a while. And because everybody in it is just a terrible person. Like, see, I, and I agree with of, you. Most, most of them are terrible. I shouldn't say all of them are terrible. Like his, no, no, they're, his they're first wife isn't a terrible person. Like, you know, like that's, you know, she's okay. Um, and then I think that's about it. Maybe, maybe Margot Robbie, maybe. I mean, you know. so, so uh, like I, I have said this before, like usually if there's, if it's a movie with just unlikable characters, I'm like, mm-hmm. why? Like I need something to root for. And in yep. this, I'm ultimately, root, you know, it, it gives me a little bit in the government. Like, yeah, you, you're like, rooting for Kyle Chandler. Right. Right. Yeah. Like take him down. But. I don't think this movie ever really tries to paint these guys in a good light. 
as I feel like can be done in other movies. That's correct. And that's a credit to Scorsese, who has made his living off of maybe you could say glorifying violence or painting violence with a better looking brush than what it should be in in things like Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, I think this is easily, although he did, at, uh, he did Aviator. So I was going to say, I feel like this is one of the biggest departures for, for Scorsese sense, like color of money. Yeah. In, possible in tone. King of, King of comedy, maybe. Yeah. Um, they, uh, I, oh, since that movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought you were just naming movies that were different. No, no. Since. His, oh, yeah. Um, since. Uh, since Color yeah. of Money in the eighties. Yeah, I think that you. I think that you might be on to something here because I will never really say this about a Scorsese film because they're. Uh, but Wolf of Wall Street is kind of fun in its own way, mm-hmm. where most Scorsese films are not fun. Right. Like, you know, they're they're. They are the dark underbelly of the world, and this is the dark underbelly of the world. But it's all bright and flashy because that's because that is the world, right? And I will say that, given this kind of three three plus hour Scorsese movie, as opposed to the dry three three plus hour Scorsese movie that is like The Irishman. This movie goes by better and quicker. Yes, like you don't I agree. feel the time as much. I agree. Um, I, th- I, th- the only reason that I had really felt the time is because I thought I had seen the whole thing, and apparently I had not. And right. so that's why I was like, "Wow, there's a whole other movie here." Like there was yeah. literally another hour and like fifteen minutes left, hour and hour and a half, mm-hmm. and so like it's like two movies smushed together. Um. I think DiCaprio is great here. Um, it's not his. It's not his best. It's not his best work uh, because his. I guess like the the range of emotion isn't really there. But I think that he's yeah. not afraid to look like an idiot in this movie, and I think that's 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 tough. Yeah, I don't know why, but I just feel like we've seen like we've seen this DiCaprio before. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. This is the same and, year that um, this is actually the same year that um, Great Gatsby came out too. So you've okay. actually seen Gold Coast, like rich, like right. shady DiCaprio twice in the same year. Yeah, but they were, like just one, like one you're supposed to root for, one you're not. Yeah, just like the overall tone of him. Like I just feel like I've seen him do this character before. Yes, and. And ultimately, our, yeah, he does a good job. I don't know if I, I don't know if I think he should have been nominated for this. Maybe if you wanted to give him the award nomination, maybe you do it for Gatsby instead. But I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, um, um, I think, but I know Gatsby it's, it's a, a natural bit. thing. Like you work with Martin Scorsese, you get nominated for Best Picture, you get nominated for Actor. You very rarely win anything, but you get nominated. Sure, sure. Um. I don't. It's interesting about what you said about Gatsby because I think this part is a little bit harder to play than Gatsby. Oh, I don't it, think so. Yeah, I think, I think that because he could be incredibly unlike. You could turn it off unlikable. That you know what I mean. But he has to have 
some kind, like you said, like you need somebody to root for. But he has some kind of charm. Uh, he has some kind of charm that you have to just know what's going to happen next. What is it with this guy? I need to know more. And I think mm-hmm. that's harder than Gatsby because he doesn't really carry the movie. Um, Toby Maguire is carrying that movie, and 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 Gatsby comes in and out of the frame, you know, right. so he's supposed to be mysterious. Whereas like he needs to lay everything out on the table in Wolf of Wall Street. And so I think this part is actually a little bit harder to play. Okay. Though I do agree that I have seen this like this type of character from him before. Yeah. Uh um Rob Reiner I thought was terrific. Me too. And I wish he was in more of the movie. Yes, Jonah see- Hill Mm-hmm. I was going to say the scene where he was watching the enforcer or whatever, and he's just swearing at the telephone. <laughs> and he's like, hello. He's like, and he, wick- he affects a weird British accent. British accent. Oh, yes, yes, of course, sir. Yes, I'd be right there. Oh, what? Don't tell me about it. I got it. Oh, yeah, that was, it was great. It was I was going to say, I think my favorite was when he comes up with the, uh, with the Amex bill while they're oh, in a yeah. meeting. <laughs> yeah. $26,000 for dinner. What well, he ordered some sides. Yeah, that's on me. I ordered sides. Ordered $26,000 in sides? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, it was, there was, there's some really good stuff in here. I understand why people, like, really took to this movie. Um, what were you going to say about Jonah Hill? Jonah Hill, I, I thought he was good in this movie, and I thought he was different in this movie. Um, and that was a good thing, but I don't know if I would have said he should have been nominated. And Uh, I think, I I think he gets nominated because he's on the, he's in more of the movie. But I remember when I first saw the film, I thought maybe he's not really in as much of it, but I thought maybe Matthew McConaughey. Should have gotten nominated. I thought Matthew McConaughey does really well with his with his little bit. Although he ends mm-hmm. up getting nominated for best actor over in I, I was Dallas say, Buyers maybe Club. He, maybe he's not nominated here because of Dallas Buyers Club. You know, I yeah. don't know. But I I do think that his Matthew McConaughey's part in in Wolf of Wall Street is a, he's great, but he's a little too McConaughey. If that makes sense, like he. Well, I mean, that's what he does. He doesn't. He doesn't, though. But I mean, like he doesn't in Dallas Buyers Club, you know, and he doesn't really in Interstellar either. Right. You know, there's like McConaughey as it was, you know, that number of years ago. So he he does have a range. And so but that's not what he was meant to do in this movie. Um, But I I do love the um, I do love him in this movie. I'm sure this might be a fun fact of yours, but, you know, like the chest beating the. mm -hmm. Uh, no, I did not put in that that was improvised. Oh, that's good. Um, was sort of improvised. That's what he does to before every scene. That's right. like that's Matthew McConaughey does that to like gear up before filming. Right. And Scorsese saw right, and Scorsese saw it, and he's like, "You have to do that in the movie because it's great." Um, <laughs> and it is. It's so good. Like, I'm, it just plays in my head every so often. Yeah, let me hear it. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 so good. Um. Yeah, I think everybody's great. This was the f- first movie I saw Margot Robbie in. Second, second movie. I can't remember. It was either this or first About movie. Time. Uh, oh no, yeah, About the- Time would be first. Okay, that that horrible, horrible movie. I'll uh, gish, gish, shut your hole. I love that movie. Um, and so uh, really, what year are we seeing that movie? 
what just you know you can like movies that were not nominated for best picture nope. most of your favorite movies were definitely not nominated for best picture they should have been yeah uh, yep, <laughs> but they weren't. So there you go. Um, and John Barenthal is excellent here. I just like what he's, he's got like, like five seconds. No, he's in it quite a bit. He's got the scene at the beginning, and then he's and then he's selling all the stuff. He sells the pen, and then you know he's pumping out. He's like, "Ma, we're gonna get the food, ma." You know, and then he's at got that scene with Jonah Hill. Then they're wrapping all the money up, and the guy. There's a lot of there's a lot of John Barenthal in here. Mm. There's I more guess. John Barenthal than Favreau or McConaughey or Reiner or any everybody else is in this movie. Yeah, but they're better. Uh, well, it's not it's not a comparison necessarily. I'm just saying that he's good. What do you I have? You were gonna say, do you have a, I thought you were going to say it's not a competition. I'm like, no, no, for awards, no, it is. <laughs> no, but not here. He's not nominated. What do you have against John Barenthal? I think he's overrated. Interesting. I think he just plays the same person. Um, I think he plays some similar type parts, but like this character here is like not his character from Walking Dead or The Punisher or that movie that we saw with Ben Affleck, The Accountant, or you know some other movie that he was in that he probably was in. But anyway, uh, fun facts for Wolf of Wall Street because we're almost at an hour and we still have. More yeah, than the movies this is what happens when we're not sitting in the same space. That is correct. Margot Robbie has revealed that she accidentally slapped Leonardo DiCaprio more violently than she intended to while auditioning. She got a little lost in the moment, slapped his face, and said, F you. There was a stunned silence on the set, and then all of them burst out laughing, but she feared that DiCaprio would sue her for it. She apologized, but he was impressed with her courage and asked her to hit him again. Oh, good for good for Leo for taking it and doing it again. That's great. I like that her first thought was Leonardo DiCaprio was going to sue her. Yep. Oh. Originally, Martin Scorsese offered Margot Robbie to appear wearing a bathrobe during the seduction scene between her and Leonardo DiCaprio. Robbie refused and insisted on doing the scene fully nude, her first in her career. According to Robbie, the whole point of Naomi is that her body is her only form of currency in this world. She has to be naked. She's laying her cards on the table, Robbie said. She had three shots of tequila in succession before shooting the scene to relax. After shooting was complete, Robbie initially fibbed to her family and friends about actually doing the nude scene in order to delay any personal repercussions, claiming CGI was used to superimpose her head on a body double. She was she eventually changed her mind and confessed when the film was released. Yeah, my favorite was um, when she was recounting the story. She uh, was talking to her parents and she was like, oh, no, my parents are actually going to see this. And she's like, my family didn't have anything to do with the entertainment industry. So I told them it's actually a body double and they CGI would my head onto it, onto something else, someone else. And they were like, they can do that. And I was like, oh, yeah, technology these days. You wouldn't believe what they do in Hollywood. Oh my god! I mean, they can do that. That's actually something that we the Hollywood does. Yeah, but that's funny. That is funny. And then, lastly, well. Margot Margot Robbie claimed that her sex scene with Leonardo DiCaprio on a bed full of cash was extremely uncomfortable, as the fake paper bills had sharp edges, resulting in multiple paper cuts to her back. Ee, ow! Yeah. Why was the fake money so sharp? 
That's the real question. <laughs> because it wasn't, they probably didn't like throw it into a laundry, uh, a washing machine with a bunch of, uh, with a bunch of like poker chips to beat it up. So it was probably just really stiff. Maybe. You know, like when you get like a fresh paper bill. Yes. It's, ow. Yeah. It's, yeah. Ow. Anyway, let's move on to your favorite film, Her, directed by <sighs> Spike Jones, <laughs> written by Spike Jones, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Adams, Rooney Mara, Olivia Wilde, and Scarlett Johansson, nominated for Best Picture, Best Original Score, Best Original Song, The Moon Song, and Production Design. Um, oh, and Chris Pratt's in this movie, too. I forgot. Um, this movie won Best Writing for Original Screenplay. Uh, the plot involves, in the near future, a lonely writer, Joaquin Phoenix, develops an unlikely relationship with an operating system designed to meet his every need as she slowly evolves uh, and they have a weird, weird, intimate relationship. Um, Palmer, I know that you don't like this movie, but I want no, to no, no, guess. no, no, no. I don't like some movies. I loathe this movie. Interesting. Um, I want to take a guess as to why. I think it's because it's icky. And there isn't somebody that you really want to root for in it. Uh, like you said, you need somebody good to root for and like and be behind. And the whole time you're just kind of sad for Theodore, Joaquin Phoenix's, Joaquin Phoenix's character. And that in turn makes you sad. And that's why you don't like it. Uh, no, I don't feel sad for him. I feel annoyed that he continues to be on the screen. Just in general, Joaquin Phoenix yeah. or Theodore? Well, I mean, the the character, but it doesn't help that it's also Joaquin Phoenix. You know, Joaquin Phoenix. If you take Joker out of it, how do you feel about Joaquin Phoenix? No, I've been, I've been very low on Joaquin Phoenix ever since his whole I'm going to quit acting and become a rapper and this is totally real and not for a fake documentary that we're doing that is one of the dumbest ideas in human history. Okay, I don't remember that at all and I really don't care, honestly. So, that's okay. So, um, so, yeah, so, so as, tell me tell me about it. Why? So, yeah, as I as I texted more. you, uh, mm -hmm. my review, which I believe is my best review ever. <laughs> It's slow, gross. It's just a porno with a Hollywood star trying to mask itself as an intellectual triumph. It's a movie that thinks it's so smart that anyone who sees through it, who sees through its self-absorbed quote-unquote plot, must be dumb for not being able to grasp the sheer meta-genius of it by someone who probably has a film degree and needs to justify the money spent. Okay. And now here's – I will combat some of that. Um, not all of it, but some of it. I, I honestly, because I, I texted you when we went back and forth in this. You said like porno with a with a film star, and I was like, okay, like I don't remember it being super explicit, but I will, I will watch it again and find out. And I maintain it's not that explicit. Wolf of Wall Street is far more pornographic than her. Far. Yeah. More. Far more at like by by leaps. It fits into Wolf of Wall Street. It doesn't um, fit in this movie. This is not a movie that should have you know two um, two 
I forget what the term is, but essentially sex chats in like a 10 minute period where one is asking him to choke her with a dead cat. Right. But the whole point is that he rejects that, right? He doesn't. You have to like, but he, he feels gross about like he, you have to like say like, this is like him at his lowest point. That person, uh, by the way, was um, Kristen Wiig. Actually, that was the voice of Kristen Wiig. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, you're not supposed to be on, like, you're not supposed to watch that and go, yes, this is good behavior. Good job, everybody. Great, great, great moves all around. But that's the whole movie, I think. You're not supposed to, like, anybody that watched you're right, her you're not supp- and was like, <laughs> I would love an operating system to do this, like, they got the wrong message from it. Like, they didn't do yeah, Unfortunately, like, they, society they is point. stupid enough to actually take that message from it. But that's but, but that's like the people who watch Wolf of Wall Street and say, man, that's the life I want. Like, no, no, you missed the point. Like, you get – you see that whole thing with the government and losing his family and almost dying several times and, like, all that – like, you know, like, you're missing the point if that's yeah. what you take out of it. But that's not – the but the, that's not the movie's message. The movie isn't like, "Hey, you should everyone. This is this is what we should be doing." That's not just, what would. That's not what should happen here. I just feel the story that the movie told was a story that never needed to be told. Um, and I I actually disagree. Un- unless you. Samantha grows up to become a Terminator. Which is how if, all AI should end up. Then that's probably true. Uh, this is the beginning, but I, I I disagree that this is. I I do think that this is a story that should be told. It is a danger of technology story. It's a danger of loneliness and what you do by escaping into a screen instead of human connection and and how you can hide from it and you, and how you think that you are healing but you're not and there but there is some there is some uh there is some validity to to the plot here and then as far as the movie goes I like, just like the way that it shot and all of that I just I think that it's the juxtaposition between like everything kind of being bright with um, natural light, like from all the windows and he's always like cast in sunlight and all this stuff is a really nice juxtaposition to him, like living in this artificial world. Right. And so it's like the outside world is literally beckoning to him, like with these wide windows, like come outside and be in over here, but he's too interested in being gross and weird with a computer. Um, and I like, I like that. I like how the movie is is done that way. The danger that this movie shows and demonstrates is the danger of giving Spike Jones a budget. What else has Spike Jones done? Uh, he did being John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I mean, he's uh, done other stuff. He, I, I think he, he might have done it. He might have. Uh, he does work a decent amount with uh, Kaufman. Uh, Kaufman did do a uncredited, very small kind of tidy up on this script. Oh, fun fact. He's the um, director of the Beastie Boys documentary that just came out like a couple days I mean, ago. From here. Yeah. Um, okay. I did not realize that. He also did the Lady Gaga one. The Kanye Yeah, he's West done music. One. Yeah. 
Jay-Z and Kanye and other Beastie Boys thing. He has kind of got his stuff all over the place, where the wild things are. That's an interesting choice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. He did do adaptation. I'm looking yeah. at it. Okay. The lot of music stuff in here. Fat Boy Slim. Yeah, he's, he's been. Weezer. Yeah, he's been a, um, a music video director. Oh, yeah, he did. Did he do Perfect Weapon, weapon for Fat Boy Slim? Is that what it was? I'm. Um, not sure this honestly there's so much here yeah that i'm i'm not gonna go through it all so i mean he's done movies that i like he did being john malkovich he did adaptation but this movie was just a huge miss and like i i cannot find amy adams couldn't save this movie like that's how funny. bad this movie is and it's funny she's in two of these movies you know she's yes. in this one in american hustle and i actually liked her better here um I felt like she was like really inhabiting the character and I, I felt for her because she like could have gone down this weird path and she kind of was, but you know, there's like nice the story about finding each other and you know, like you can take out the OS thing and like put in, you know, drugs or booze or any like other thing in like this, like, you know, human contact filler. Right. And so there's, really nice about understanding the importance of human interaction and communication, especially when you're, when you're down in the dumps. Um, but honestly, all of that aside, I actually really loved the production design and the costumes in this movie. I loved this, like the weird, like retro future that everyone is living in with their high waisted tweed pants and their like sixties and seventies furniture and the bright colored panels and, like the upside down plane, which is actually a real thing. It's in it's in Los Angeles, um, but the movie was shot simultaneously in Shanghai and Los Angeles for this like uber futuristic city. And I I I enjoy, I think I enjoyed that more than the movie itself. Like I I liked the tiny little phone that looks like a card, um, like almost like a card holder that he yeah. just like it's just for like pictures or looking at things and everything's done in the earpiece and. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed this film quite a bit. I enjoyed it the first time I watched it, and I enjoyed it this time around, too. And I think props to Scarlett Johansson for being able to fill the space with just her voice. Um, because um, that's it could be tough. Uh, all of that being said, it is slow. And it, it could have been done half an hour before it was. Hello. I've seen glaciers move at a faster pace. I know, but they're melting. So, you know, you're just watching ice fall into the ocean. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, not at all. That's not an alleged thing. That's like very real science. That's not alleged anymore. <laughs> Everyone oh, has degrees with oh, that. Oh, great. One. Mr. Now, I'm a scientist. My wife's a scientist. I have to listen to things that she says um, because I believe in human interaction sometimes. Anyway, give me some give me some facts that I believe might be fun, but you believe are terrible. Stuck in the editing process with his early 150-minute cut, Spike Jones asked Steven Soderbergh to edit it down with his instincts. Soderbergh came back within 24 hours with a 90-minute cut, which helped Jones make the final version, which ran 126 minutes. All right, look, Spike Jones. When you hand it Release off to a director, cut. <laughs> when you hand it off to a director who's also known for glacially slow movies 
and he comes back in a day with a 90 minute cut, you take the 90 minute cut. Wow. Nine release, release the Soderbergh cut. <laughs> release it. Uh, 90 minutes, man. I wonder what yeah. was cut. Actually, I forgot. Uh, all, really all of the, all of the, uh, sex talking could have been, uh, yeah. and it bet you some of the, um, vacation stuff was cut. Yeah. Um, and maybe the friendships between all the friendship with Chris Pratt was cut. I'd say those are kind of the, the outside friendship things. Those are some so, things like could ditch. Sophia Coppola won the 2003 best original screenplay Oscar for lost in translation, which was Spoilers loosely, which was loosely inspired by her relationship with her then husband, Spike Jones played by Giovanni Ribisi in the film. Ten years later, Jones would win the same award for her. Both stars, both film stars, Scarlett Johansson. Huh. Well, that's kind of weird. Good for them, I guess. Not really. When Samantha is helping Theo at work with proofreading some of the letters, she says, but I'm not much of a poet, so I think I might have messed them up a bit. This may be a reference to an Alan Turing paper on computing and artificial intelligence in which he proposes a possible test of computer's intelligence by posing questions which the computer answers. He proposes the following question and answer as an example. Please write me a sonnet on the subject of the fourth bridge. Answer. Count me out on this one. I never could write poetry. Hmm. Hmm. We watched, uh, we watched a movie about Alan Turing already. Look at that. Yeah. Well, that the imitation game. Yes, indeed. The Imitation Game. Good movie. Liked it. Yep. All right, let's move on to Palmer's next favorite movie, Gravity, starring, uh, <laughs> starring Sandra Bullock, George Clooney, and Ed Harris, sort of, directed by Alfonso Cuaron, written by Alfonso Cuaron and Johannes Cuaron, nominated for Best Picture, Best Actress for Bullock, and Production Design. This movie won. Hey, look at that. We got to the winning side of things, too. Yeah. <laughs> this movie won cinematography, directing, editing, music, sound editing, sound mixing, Visual effects. Uh, it is about two astronauts, Bull and Clooney, who work together to survive after an accident leaves them stranded in space. Um, I had seen this movie in the theater and hadn't seen it since. And I remember being v- very swept away by it in, in the movie theater. Yes, because it's it about very, space. Very, it was very stunning. Um, and, and I, on rewatch... I was not as swept away by it, um, maybe because, like, it, it all hinges on whether you think she, she's going to survive space or not. And when you – and I remember the ending very vividly um, because it, it works. There's this whole sequence of, like, it's very basically, like, her from conception to birth, right? You know, like mm-hmm. when she takes off the spacesuit from coming inside, she looks like she's – it's framed, so she looks like she's a fetus inside a wound. And then she kind of grows. Right. And, and then, then like the beginning is, like, from, the – is the replication of the big bang. And... That's true. Yeah. And then, you know, like she, you know, you know, it's like the fish walking on water for the first oh, land for the first time, you right. know, all, all that stuff. Uh, and so I think all of that works really well still. And I think that for the most part, the visual, um, the visual effects age well for the most Orally. part. Um, so some of it, some of it doesn't, I think the, the, the earth itself, always looks good like it that's it's a really well-crafted layered look at earth um and the use of sound 
the editing and the mixing because there's no sound in space and so the way that they the way that they played off of that with the mu- with the music instead works really well and the and the the actual light that you would get in space like all of that stuff is like they in- created a lot of technology for this movie uh that hadn't been used previously um and the way that the camera is also kind of floating in space the way that it moves through the way that it moves through each sequence with her is just outstanding uh i think all that still really works but it's not nail biting the second time through it's just you're watching stuff unfold but the drama doesn't exist anymore to be fair i didn't find the nail biting the first time i saw it either why not it's it's very 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 hard to carry a movie on your own and yeah you have her conversation with her conversations Mm -hmm. with um the dead george clooney and you have Ed Harris's Mission Control, and you have the stuff at the beginning. But for the most part, a lot of this movie's focus is on just Sandra Bullock. Mm-hmm. And being in, not necessarily just being in space, but being in confined areas in space, mm-hmm. I don't think lent it lent itself to a very visually appealing, visually interesting story. You know, the Martian, he's on Mars, but he's still able to go out and do stuff, and he has to... And and he does his video diary, and he gives... He brings a little bit more... Joy would kind of be the wrong word. He brings a little bit more manicness to his stuff, Mm -hmm. whereas Sandra Bullock is panicky and she should be but other than that she doesn't do anything you know she doesn't have any other range of emotions and it just sure. becomes one note to me sure well i mean if you, it's it's kind of an ill-fated comparison because the one the martian does have other people in it right you see nasa's control center you see the spaceship that's coming back to rescue him like all that different stuff and mark watney in his isolation is recording himself and he has time to do that. He's literally got like a year like of time. She has hours. And so there's like, there has to be a a heightened sense of panic and movement. That Um, being said, that being said mm -hmm. this, I think it falls into captain Phillips territory where, because I know what happens at the end, like, because I had seen the film, I was like, okay, just, Let's let's get going here. Let's keep yeah. it moving. Yeah, I, even though I, this movie's only an hour and a half, it really is. And I'm not like I'm not even gonna, I'm not saying that the movie feels like it's longer because I don't. I'm not sure if I I'm not sure if I would agree with that. Like I don't sit there and go, man, this movie is taking forever. I think that I'm like, man, this movie is kind of going along at a good clip. I just don't find it. You know, I just don't find it all that interesting. Mm-hmm. And. As far as the special effects uh, go, when you use technology, if it's not something that you're used to doing, Mm -hmm. or if it's not something that has millions upon millions of dollars poured into it, or if you're just not good at it, Mm 
there's a lot of things that can go wrong, especially once the movie ages. I love George Lucas. I love Star Wars. I love the fact oh. that George Lucas shot the prequels digitally mm-hmm. and was like, they were all digital. And he was, I think it was the first time someone did it all digitally. But you go back and watch, I think, Phantom Menace, you can kind of see some of the problems with using first run technology. Sure. Like it doesn't I, age as well. Sure. And in this I mean, and and in this instance, yeah, the, the Earth looks great. I mean, we've done enough space movies that we should be able to nail that at this point. Mm-hmm. But there's just an inherent there's an inherent fakeness about the rest of the movie to me. And a lot of it comes with Anytime you see Sandra Bullock's face in the in a suit, because it's it's we kind of like the Margot Robbie thing, they CGI'd her head in. Like everything else was done digitally. Sure, I think you're. It's more like they put the suit on her than CGI'd her head in, because she's not in the suit, right? It's not. It's not like the suit was there and like they were moving it with strings. They were like. Like she right. was moving like, and they put the suit on her. But I get right. your point. But I mean, there they put the a... suit on her. They put everything else on her. Like there's a lot of fake stuff in this. And I just feel like it looks, I, I just feel like it looks it. Yeah. There is it. There is an artificiality to it for sure. Um, I don't know if that, I don't think that diminishes the, um, some of the other components of the film, uh, like the um, like the cinematography, whether it looks real or not real, like the camera still moves in a particular way and still lights her in a particular way. Like though, I find those things kind of separated out. But if you're talking production design, then I would like I would or visual. I guess just plain old visual effects without the sound. I would agree. I I agree with you. Now, you know, there's only one sound category now, but back then there were two. Um, you you know, you listed that it won for sound. I'm not going to argue that. I'm not going to take away, like, a lot of space movies, I think, do sound and sound mixing really good. Even if I don't think, even if I think to myself, wow, it didn't sound as good as, say, like a big budget movie, it sounds more realistic, which is, which is what you should be going for in a movie. So, yeah, I'll give this, I'll give this sound uh all day long and cinematography okay you know i can i can appreciate the the look of the film while taking into account that i feel the the effects are subpar because it doesn't matter how great you are at cinematography you can only do as good with with what you have so i could sit there and go well if the effects were better would i think this is a visually more appealing movie yes but I think the cinematography does the best with what it can. Yeah, it's a good point. And I think to, to remind those, especially if this is the people's first time listening, is that this is the whole point of this is to look back and see if the movie is still the best or if one is better and not to take it in the context of in the time that it was. And so right. like in 2014 or 2013, when this came out, we can say this was the best, but now we're close to 10 years out. And so Henry it's not... was inter... interstellar was after this, after this. I mean, uh, yeah, after it's only this. been yeah six years ago. So, mm-hmm. 
but so there, I think like Interstellar, I think does out of space much better than this movie. Sure. Um, Interstellar was 2014, so it was just so it was, it was, just it was like yeah, it was like a so it was like a few months after because I I know this movie was available on DVD when the Academy Awards happened because that's how I saw it. Okay, so you're talking maybe a half a year because Interstellar was in the uh, was in the summer. Yeah, and I would actually I agree with you. I think Interstellar does do space better, but it also does space very differently. Like it is, it is not framed the same way. Like it's, that's really like, this is a movie most of the time that she's in space where they're never in actual space. They're in ships and on planets, but they're not, they never, they never do any type of spacewalk in that film. It's a little bit different. I think this, I think what ultimately fails this movie when I, when I think of the story is, um, you know, David Bowie did this story better. He did it in like three minutes with Major Tom, and that was it. Like, it's the same, <laughs> it's the same story. Sure is. Okay, give me some okay. fun facts before Tim Webber's, I reach through the screen and slap you. <laughs> Tim Webber stated <laughs> that 80% of the movie consisted of, of computer generation compared to Avatar, which was only 60%. While filming an aquatic scene, Alfonso Cuaron held his breath along with Sandra Bullock to make sure he wasn't asking too much of her. He soon found he couldn't match her lung capacity. That's because Sandra's the best. Continue. A longtime rumor claims that NASA provides suicide pills to astronauts for worst-case scenarios. NASA has denied this for decades. Some people have said it would be easier and more comfortable to reduce oxygen in the chamber as depicted in this film. Ah, well, there you go. Uh, that's horrifying. Never going to space. All right. Next up, three films left. Oh, my gosh. We're at an hour and 22. Three films left. There's three films Here left? Here we go. Say again. said there's three films left? Yeah. American Hustle, Dallas Buyers, and 12 Years a Slave. I always forget American Hustle. Oh, we're going to talk about it right now. American Hustle, directed by David O. Russell, written by Eric Warren Singer and David <laughs> O. Russell. American Hustle. American Hustle, directed by David O. Russell. <laughs> Got him. Starring Christian Bale, Amy Adams, Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Lawrence, and Jeremy Renner. Nominated for Best Picture, Actor for Bale, Actress for Adams, Supporting Actor for Cooper, Supporting Actress for Lawrence. Costume design, directing, film editing, production design, and original screenplay. This movie didn't win a single award. Yeah. The plot revolves a con man, Irving Rosenfeld, played by Christian Bale, along with his seductive partner, Sidney Prosser, played by Amy Adams, who was forced to work for an F a wild FBI agent, Richie DeMasso, played by Bradley Cooper, who pushes them into the world of Jersey pawnbrokers and the mafia. Um I had seen this movie once before, and I thought it was just okay. Didn't really care for it, uh, to be completely honest. And I really enjoyed it on this second go-around. Uh, there were things that I noticed that I didn't get the first time. Like, the you know, there's the, this whole big Duke Ellington thing between Rosenfeld and Prosser, Amy Adams and Christian Bale. And, you know, and they're like, who starts a song like that? You know, this big open and then it kind of goes. But the the film itself actually um, the film itself actually mirrors that song or it mirrors the jazz style. Like and it's like the narrative and the editing 
fix up fixate upon that um like big start slow it down and then like you play it like you would a jazz piece and that kind of runs through the whole that kind of runs through the whole movie and i didn't notice that the first time uh and i really appreciated that i thought everybody really acted the hell out of their parts and um and it but at the end of the day i also think it was just a movie if that yeah so the uh the Duke Ellington, the Duke Ellington kind of quote piece that you said just seems like a little mm-hmm. too self congratulatory of the movie, seeing as how the movie is written by, well, written in quotes by David O. Russell. Um, I need you to explain that further. Well, it will in the uh, fun facts. A lot of the movies okay. improvised. Really? Yeah. I did not know yeah. that. Really? So it's improvised like a jazz piece. See, now this is see. I now I, you're making I'm, me like I'm it more. Hang up. That's <laughs> no, you can't. So um, um, I didn't really like this movie when I first saw it in the theaters. I didn't really like this movie when I watched it again. And I mean, we've talked about this earlier. Like this is the Wolf of Wall Street in the sense of these are all terrible people. And I have mm-hmm. no sort of sympathy for anybody in here, nor anyone to really pull for. And this movie doesn't give me anybody to pull for. Like, oh, here comes uh, I disagree. here comes the government. I disagree. Jeremy Renner is just trying to help people. So, like, his character is the mayor. He's the mayor. He's still breaking the law. Camden, New Jersey, is that where he's the mayor? Yeah. Okay, so he, he he's just. Yes, he's breaking the law, but like he is trying to do the right thing. So that's kind of that's but the movie doesn't really want you to pull for him necessarily. Like it does. Like he's like a nice person and you see that throughout the film. He doesn't do anything apart from accepting the money like that like that is just like him trying to help people. That's all that's what he's that's what he's attempting but, to do. But the movie's not focused on him. He, he's not a main Here's character. the thing though. He breaks the law to do it. And there are okay. other ways. He could have gotten a casino legally. Maybe. You're just like, you can't just like snap your fingers and get stuff, though. Like, that's not how. No, but everything everything about works. the setup of this deal is shady. So this doesn't have like some grand ultimate altruistic thing it's not like by doing this shady deal you're going to be able to give you know you're going to be able to give food to a starving nation mm-hmm. you know yeah it'll help people out financially but overall like there are other ways you could have done it and there are better you know there are legal ways that you could have done it and that is my problem with him so the same thing with the senators that help expedite the the process of getting the chic uh, an American citizenship. You know, these are all people that take bribes that in this instance are for decent purposes, supposedly, mm-hmm. but where does that stop? Like, this is the only instance we're seeing of well, these people. Yeah. Um, right. But I, that's also kind of what the film is getting at, or at least what the FBI is getting at here, where they're like, well, it could be bigger. It could go, you know, and it could exactly in, to get, yeah. Uh, I, I think the only, I think one of the only saving graces of this movie, aside from 
from Amy Adams and uh, Christian Bale is the fact that, um, unfortunately, Louis C.K. is in this movie. But yes, he is. But his character ultimately ends up being like all the women that accused him of the allegations. Like he, you know, uh, when they're celebrating and and um, what's his uh, Bradley goes over to him mm-hmm. and starts humping him without his. Without yep. without his consent, and you know, he gets upset and storms off. I'm like, wow, that was oddly, that was was oddly a comeuppance. <laughs> I um I had forgotten why he had fallen from grace. Like I remembered that like something happened, but I didn't look it up. And I was like, oh right, right, right. And so you're just reminding me, but that I wish I had remembered that because I would have I would have enjoyed when he got like hit with the phone in the face and things like that. I would have enjoyed those things. Um, here's the, th- I, we, we are obviously different in, in some of our, our um, flavors for, of enjoyment yes. when it comes to movies. Like I can watch a movie about people who are terrible and still enjoy it because you're terrible. Like, that's like the purpose of, that's the purpose of the story oh. to show you okay. their terribleness. Like I don't have to, agree with the main character to enjoy the film i can enjoy other aspects um i enjoy movies more when i like the main character i don't think that's that's like a mystery to anybody um that that's that but but i've seen plenty of movies where you can like the main character and they're terrible so i don't think that that's not a make or break deal for me the way that it is for you and i think that some characters like so like to say Amy Adams and Christian Bale they are not doing the right thing but they this like this movie leads them in that direction to be better mm-hmm. by the end and i always think like that journey is important like as soon as like if someone makes one mistake you can't cut them off forever just by, because they made one mistake i think that I is can. incredibly unfair on yeah but you don't work like the rest of the world like, I don't think that's fair to people because um, everyone makes mistakes, you included. You got a half a strike. This is like the this is like this is this is like the Philomena lesson where, you know, like Martin Sixsmith is angry because like he's been hurt. And like, even if it didn't happen and she said and, you know, she says, like, like you're angry all the time and it must be exhausting. Like they like don't get bent out of shape. Like that's like what what good is that? Like, forgive people. That's what you're supposed to do. And, I mean, personally, like, I've had stuff happen to me that, like, I have very good reason to never forgive people. But that's not what we're supposed to do. And that there's no, like, holding on to terrible things doesn't make anything better. And so when you're looking at characters in a film... You kind of, I approach that the same way where like, what did they learn from that experience at the end? Are they better for it? And if the world is actually better for it at the end, then, then they've set themselves up that way. And so at the end of American Hustle, Bale and Adams have kind of learned lessons. And so, and like, then you have like, even actually Cooper has like learned his lesson. You know what I mean? Everybody's gotten to a better place based on their act based on their altruistic or not altruistic actions. I think you're, I think you're, um, 
projecting onto them what you want them to feel. I would think the only one that feels any sort of growth in this movie is Christian Bale. Uh, and he only has it for, he only has it for Jeremy Rayner's character. Um, but I Bradley think- Cooper doesn't understand why everything is going on. No, but it's a, that's the general state of his character, maybe perhaps where he thinks he has control and doesn't. But but I disagree because like Bale and Adams, their characters move on from this life at the end of the movie. That's like the final scene. Them literally, he he like literally yeah. says he narrates it. He's like, we've given up that part of our lives and we've moved on and we do things legitimately. Right, but she wanted to move on to begin with. Okay, she all she always wanted to move on. So that's not growth for her character. It's not like she was preventing him from moving on. But it's on. growth for the. But it's growth for him. And then they do it together. It's okay for her to already be there and for her to rise to meet her at that level at that occasion. That's okay. That's what I'm saying. The only the only growth in this movie is is Bale, and even then, it's it's like okay, it's it's a little it's yeah, uh, it's a little bit. Yeah, I dis I disagree, but. But that's okay. Um, I do think that the costumes are fabulous in this movie because they're, like, slightly too much, as was the era, you know? But, like, everyone's hair and everyone's giant coats and, like, clashing patterns. And it's just, like, it's all a little too much. And I enjoyed that because the movie itself is kind of, like, a little too much, if you know what I mean. So uh, it's a lot of too much. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of raff. Um, a little too raff. So while I'm thinking about this, since you brought up the clothes, Hollywood. I, I, Just because I oh. a, a movie is set in the 1970s, you don't have to use the Feed Your Head song in the soundtrack. <laughs> it is not mandatory. There are plenty of other songs from the 1970s that you can use. I wonder if they just Please get a really good never deal do it, it again. I wonder if they just get a good deal on it, or if all of the movies are Warner Brothers movies or something like that, and they own the song. You know, at, at this point, um, no. You never have to use the song ever again. Yeah. Sucker Punch did it. And did it perfectly. Warner Brothers. Let's all move on. Yep. I don't know if American Hustle is a Warner Brothers fo- uh, movie. If it is, I think Warner Brothers owns the song. Um, I'm, I'm going to look it up right now. Warner Brothers. You you do that. American Hustle is a Sony Pictures movie. So, oh, womp womp. So that means that people are just buying it. So they are renting that song out. There must be a good deal on it. Anyway, give me some fun facts because I want to know about this improvisation jazz thing. David O. Russell stated that Robert De Niro didn't recognize Christian Bale on set, even after they they were introduced to each other. De Niro pulled Russell aside, pointed to Bale, and asked who he was. First, De Niro didn't believe it was Bale, but after Russell convinced him of that, De Niro noted, wow, he looks really different, and nodded his head as a sign of approval. Russell then had to reintroduce the two now that De Niro knew it was Bale. That's funny. That sounds a little bit more like De Niro's getting old than than anything I mean, else. I mean, the makeup is great. Oh, Don't man. get me wrong. Like, Christian Bale does more to his body for a part than, like, anybody else in Hollywood right now. But 
it's so much so that his doctor told him to stop because he can't take it anymore. But yeah, it's great. Christian Bale was cast in the lead role, but due to scheduling conflicts, he had to drop out and was replaced by Bradley Cooper, with Jeremy Rayner taking over Cooper's old role. After Bale's schedule cleared up, he rejoined the project in the same role, while Cooper converted to playing the FBI agent, and David O. Russell wrote the character of Carmine Polito for Rayner. Hmm. Citation needed, as this isn't believable, Renner's role is based on real-life Camden Mayor Angelo Urquhart, who was part of the AB scam, Sting, and Convicted. Huh. Well, there you go. Yeah. And finally, according to Christian Bale, much of the movie was improvised. So during the shooting of the film, he noted to writer and director David O. Russell, you realize that this is going to change the plot greatly down the track. To which Russell replied, Christian, I hate plots. I'm all about characters. That's it. And that, to me, sums up this movie. <laughs> that is quite interesting. Although I do think that this does have a plot, and it does run through pretty clearly. Because I've seen some movies where other people say that, and you're like, there's what is happening. There is no plot. Yeah. I do know what the plot of this movie is. It is fairly clear. But it is also not the point. It's how the characters work off of one another. That is the point. That's cool that it was improvised. It really is done like a jazz piece. Uh, that makes me appreciate it a lot more um, than I originally had. Okay, two movies left. Here we go. Dallas Buyers Club, directed by Jean-Marc Vallée, written by Craig Borton and Melissa Wallach, starring Matthew McConaughey, Jennifer Garner, and Jared Leto, nominated for Best Picture, Editing, and Original Screenplay. It won Best Actor for McConaughey, Supporting Actor for Leto, Makeup, and Hairstyling. Uh, it takes place in 1985 Dallas, where an electrician and hustler Ron Woodruff works around the system to help AIDS patients get the medication they need after he is diagnosed with the disease. I had not seen this film previously. I was looking forward to it because I was curious as to the part that won McConaughey in Oscar. And I was really taken with this film. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was magnetic and oddly timely. Uh, considering our pandemic <laughs> quarantine right now. And um, I thought McConaughey was just electric and excellent. I thought it was not Garner's best work, though she was great. She was like a really solid piece of, of work. Uh, and not the like, – it was a solid piece of her She doesn't really work. have much to do is the problem. No, she doesn't. Um, no, not tons. Um, and I thought and it... Leto was Leto, if that – you know, I would say, yeah, I would say that Garner's thing uh, with not having much to do stems from the fact that she's not a real person. Jennifer she's Blaine. made up for the movie. Oh, I thought you meant Jennifer Garner wasn't a real person. No, I was like, I think. Yeah, no, Jennifer Garner is actually all CGI. Oh, interesting. Wow. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to change my rewindy. So lifelike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I thought Leto was really good. Um, and probably this is this his second best role that i've seen him in the first one being blade runner 2049 oh hell no the first <laughs> one being joker and suicide <laughs> oh, squad it hurts me it hurts me deeply um he's easily the best joker we've had and now you can understand why i get mad at palmer sometimes anyway um so i'm gonna take segments of this episode and like <laughs> just like cut that out and being like if everyone Everyone's like, agrees with you. Also, Palmer thinks this. 
And also Palmer thinks this. We're just going to cut out. Also Palmer saying Major Tom while Tim was frozen. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Um, No, don't get me wrong. I think he was, I think he was very good. I don't, I don't know if it was, I I don't know if it's my, my Jared Leto bias, but honestly, I don't really have one. He's a weird dude. But that's what, like I don't care. Dude. He hasn't been weird to me. Like whatever, I don't really care. Like and most of the time, I think he's actually very talented. He's a he's a very thoughtful actor. Um, and but I just I don't I think I was expecting something bigger than what he delivered. If that if that makes sense. I again, I think it's also because his character was not real as well. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, two thirds of the main people in this movie were just made up. So, for a true story, this movie is quite fictitious. <laughs> okay. This movie is about as fictitious as Captain Phillips, apparently. Interesting. Okay. Um. So, and and here's the thing, and I'm wondering if Rayon is added because a very not so subtle theme in the first two thirds of this movie, maybe even three quarters is that McConaughey's character has AIDS in the eighties and isn't gay. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't look so well upon the gay lifestyle or people. That's correct. And I think I think the only time you really see him overcome that prejudice is Rayon. That is correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. So without Rayon, he's just a guy selling this stuff to people so he can make money and essentially treat himself for free. Yes, that is true. But now, yeah. Th- so the thing, so my thing is in the real story, does he ever finally accept? the the LGBT community or does he kind of keep that bias and this is just a, a, another way to make money for him mm. and I think Rayon helps him become a character that you want to see do well because it's like oh he's he's prejudiced the beginning but it's because he doesn't really understand anything and then he befriends Rayon and and you know he's he's very broken up when Rayon dies. Mm-hmm. Like it gives him an out, and it gives him a likability that I think isn't necessarily there without the character. Well, that's a that's very insightful. I I am a hundred percent with you um, because he could dip into complete unlikability in the like completely because he is yeah. unlikable at the beginning. Yeah, um, and so that's that is that's great. Um, that's great. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I was very taken. I was very taken with this whole, this whole piece. I thought from top to bottom, it's like a solid, it's a solid A plus film. I was really, um, yeah, I definitely don't love it as much as you. When I first saw it, I really didn't like it. mm. Um, and I don't know why. I think it was a little bit too down in the mouth for me. Uh, going back and rewatching it, I've softened my stance. I, I think the movie is good. I think the acting is, is above average, if not really good in some instances. Um, I still don't necessarily, I still don't necessarily like the main character. 
but there are people in the movie that I pull for and I want to, and I want to see in the fact that they kind of almost in the movie version of it, they at least pull him to some sense of being a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is good. So you see character growth. Uh, and also I think the overall story, you're right. It's, it's timely in the sense of, you know, at the time they were pushing AZT. That was the drug of choice that went through the trials and they were like, this is what we're going to give to AIDS patients. Now they were giving it at the time in too high a dosage, Mm -hmm. which is all the problems that they have. That's right. And that's why he thinks that's why he says they're poisoning him. But also there were other drugs on the out available outside of the U S that had been somewhat proven to work had been through clinical trials, just not in the United States. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, for some reason or other, weren't FDA approved, which is why they were not available to the people in the States, even though most of the people that you see him have the problems with in the in the movie Mm -hmm. are part of organizations that back this other treatment. Mm -hmm. So it paints a very grim portrait of AZTs being pushed because of the money, hmm. which shouldn't be what the FDA should use to approve or disapprove of a, of a drug. No. And I, and I think when you look at that in terms of right now, like we have, we have a vaccine uh, being tested in England for the, for COVID-19. Uh, Germany has announced one that's going to go into trials. And there's one and the U S just gave a bunch of money to one company to, that said, well, we could probably have a vaccine in a couple months, even though they've never brought a product to trial. And I'm looking at it through the lens of if we go six months down the road and the FDA is like, no, we gave all the money to this, to this people over here. So they're the only ones we're going to approve. And there's mm-hmm. stuff outside of the U S it's, it's a very timely story. So it, it definitely helps that now. As far as why why I thought this movie was interesting, yeah, well, it's good. You know, uh, movies that continue to be timely. I mean, this wasn't exactly made uh, a terribly long time ago, but um, movies that continue to be timely, I think, are always the they're the ones that last beyond. You know, they're the ones that last beyond themselves. So even if like some of the acting or the production design or the special effects or whatever, it becomes outdated. The message never does, and that is really, at the end, what keeps film people coming back for more. Right, and I don't know if, like, I don't. In my mind, this is this is one of the few movies that I know of that takes a look at the AIDS epidemic of the eighties and early nineties through the lens of what was being done at the time medically mm-hmm. and what wasn't being done at the time. Most of the time, it's just about one person who has AIDS and you have to watch them suffer through it. Right. Um, so this was like this gives a little bit more historical context into the the political machine of the time and what was going on. So I think that is also why it kind of stands out from the crowd a bit. Yep, I agree. Give me some fun facts because I want to wrap up this episode. During the mid-1990s, Dennis Hopper was attached as director with Woody Harrelson as Woodruff, but financial backing was impossible to secure. Yeah, I can see that, but I'm glad that this is the one we got. 
The film's budget was so low that the makeup budget was only $250. The makeup artists were able to make it work with that amount, and the film still won an Oscar for Best Makeup and Hairstyling. That's awesome. That's great. Also, the second movie that Jared Leto was in that won Best Makeup and Hairstyling. What was Oh, Suicide Squad, because it won yeah. Killer Croc. Mm-hmm. No, it won for a Joker. After playing an LGBT character in this film, Jared Leto then went on to play the Joker in Suicide Squad. The same thing happened to Heath Ledger, who played an LGBT character in Brokeback Mountain and then played the Joker in The Dark Knight, almost in, in the same time frame. This was 2013, Suicide Squad 2016, uh, 2016. Brokeback Mountain, 2005, Dark Knight, 2008. Huh. Also, also Cesar Romero, who played the Joker in 1960s Batman, was LGBTQ. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Neither did I, and that's why it's on the fun facts. Huh. Well, look at that. That was fun. <laughs> I did enjoy all of those. Okay. Last movie, the Best Picture winner, 12 Years a Slave, directed by Steve McQueen. Written by John Ridley, based on the memoir 12 Years a Slave by Solomon Northrup. Starring Chiwella Giafor, Michael Fassbender, Lupita Yongo, um, Benedict Cumberbatch, and many others who just kind of float in and out. Brad Pitt was in this movie for like five <laughs> minutes. Um, a lot yep. of other people. Um, this movie was nominated for Best Actor for Giafor, Supporting Actor for Fassbender, Costumes, Directing, Editing, and Production Design. It won Best Picture, Supporting Actress for Yongo. And adapted screenplay. Uh, in the antebellum United States, Solomon Northup, a free black man from upstate New York, is abducted and sold into slavery. And we follow his uh, trajectory for those 12 years. I've only seen this movie once when it was released. I watched it at home. Um, and I I liked it. I didn't I didn't love it. Not because it, it makes you uncomfortable or, or anything like that. I just... Um, I found it a little, I found it like it needed to pick up. Like uh, it was like, like slow in the middle. Like you spend so much time with his first mat, like with his first master that like by that, when he goes to, uh, in Cumberbatch. So by the time you get to Fassbender, um, you're like, kind of like, okay, let's keep it going. See, I don't think, I don't think we spend a lot of time with the Cumberbatch no, plantation. Not, no, not tons of time. Um, Oh shoot. I forgot to, who is that? I forgot his name. Now it's gonna drive me crazy, but I'm not gonna look it up. I'll... Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti's in that one scene, that, like that one, <laughs> that one moment where I was like Paul Giamatti, and then he was no Paul Dano is uh, is in the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the guy from um... Swiss Army Knife. The guy Swiss from Army Man. No, <laughs> um, there will be blood. There will be blood. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, among among a few other things, uh, so. Um, so yeah, I think it's it is a really really well made movie. I think everybody brings their A game. Like there's not a like a single misfire in this whole film except I think it's slow. And I think in a lot of ways that is a detriment to the film. And I don't know if maybe it was slow because we have to watch them in rapid succession and I need them to like move quickly, but this was the first movie I this was the second movie I watched. This is the first movie. I watched. Okay. I watched. Um, I watched Nebraska, and then I watched Twelve Years a Slave. So no, I no, I'm wrong. I watched Twelve Years a Slave. No, you first. watched. Yeah, because you mm-hmm. you tweeted out that you were starting. That's right. Here's the thing: you also started this movie at like ten o'clock at night. No, I didn't. I, you did. I. That's I what the, the uh, that is the time frame on the tweet. That's incorrect. 
because I was already I'm gonna I was already I was already watching it when I tweeted out that I was watching it. So I okay. didn't, I didn't start at ten. All right. I'm I'm I willing start, to believe I'm too you old to start movies at ten o'clock. It ain't happening. I'm not Well that's what I'm saying is like yeah. you go to sleep at like eight o'clock at night. So, so how would I start the fact that you ten? I go to sleep at the fact that you started this at if you must know. And so I would not start it at ten either oh, you, way. You started the yeah, you tweeted out at nine sixteen. Yeah, and I was already that you were about, watching the movie. I was already about halfway through the movie at that point. Yeah, that's still late. That's still late for you. So that's a regular time frame. So you started. We go to the movies. If the movie starts at seven forty-five, then like that's it. This movie's long. Um, that, that, but I get it's it. also a very that, heavy. The, movie, I think that's so. the only fault of the movie is that I just think it's slow in the middle. It's not a big deal. Like don't which care. Is, which is fine. You can yeah. you can have a wrong opinion like that. Yes, just like you have a wrong opinion about Jared Leto and Joker. It's not I, a big. Deal. I never have a wrong opinion. That is not true. I have clips to prove otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> and I have clips to prove that people say I'm right. I don't think that's true. <laughs> what do you so, think about this movie? I really enjoy it. I thought I, you know, the 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 acting. First off, the cast alone is top notch. Mm-hmm. Um, this is I don't think this is um, Edge of Four's first movie, but it's certainly what gave him like it's, a, it's a name. Hundred percent, not his first movie. I've seen uh-huh. him in a bunch of stuff before this. Okay, yeah. but this is what got him his his like name recognition. Um, uh, yes, look, I'd say I would agree. Let me see. What was, what was he in before that? He was on a, a couple of TV shows before that. Um, he's been in a bunch of stuff. The first thing I saw him in was Serenity. I think that was the first thing I saw him in. Uh, Obviously, he's Kira Knight, Knightley's um, husband in Love Actually. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Everybody's in Love Actually. Yeah, though, so. that's true. But there is a lot of stuff that he's like stuff that maybe yeah. it's not the most famous that he's for, but you're right. Twelve Years a Slave is where he, where he skyrocketed, he, right? And then Lapita Lapita Nyong'o. This is um, definitely I where she believe. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, but I also believe this is one of her first movies because she's very young at the time. Like she's in her teens at the time in this movie, if I remember correctly. Is she really? I believe so. What? Okay, keep talking. I'll I'll look it up. And, um, you know, she ultimately wins for Best Supporting Actress. And so you have her, Edge of Four, Michael Fassbender, who is in a lot of things, but he kind of flew under the radar for, for a decent time frame. Yeah, he was still kind of flying under the radar here. He wasn't... Yeah, he, he was starting to make a name for himself. Mm-hmm. In good roles um, before, just, just yeah. a little bit. This, she, you know, Brad was, Pitt was. She was born in eighty three. Eighty three, and this is twenty fourteen. Twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. Yeah. So this is thirty. She's thirty years old. Yeah, so she's definitely that's close. not in her teens. Nah, that's close. She's thirty. <laughs> so, um, so this, so the acting is top notch. I think you know it's it's the it's the South around. Right, you know, before the Civil War, so you have the the stereotypical like South style of clothing. None of the none of the plantation owners are really 
depicted, except maybe Cumberbatch, as being super rich, which is weird. Um, I would say Fassbender's actually Fassbender's pretty rich because Sarah Paulson is also there and she's like in the house and like doing all her. I think Sarah Paulson's rich, but isn't isn't Sarah Paulson the wife of Fassbender? Yes, but that would make them it's, both rich. It's, but he he doesn't carry himself the same way, and I think it's like he. I think she is very in control of her money. Sure. Okay. Okay. Um. So, but like, at least when you see Cumberbatch, he has the he has the dressings of somebody that has wealth that would own slaves. Like he has the presentable demeanor as far as clothes go. And Fassbender typically looks run down. Now, granted, he's also supposed to be an alcoholic. So that, that kind of folds into his clothing too. Mm -hmm. So, but, um, it's a good point. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't think, I don't think this movie actually slows down in the middle. I think it kind of picks up in the middle because, this like that's where the crux of the story is so if you were to make any cuts to make this movie a little bit shorter i think you would make some cuts in the beginning like do we after he gets captured and we know he's captured i think you can cut down a couple scenes prior like in between that like i don't think we need all the scenes on the the ship or wherever they're they're transporting him mm. Um, and then we can kind of just see them, see him getting bought. So there's, there's some trimming that can be done early on to make the movie a little bit shorter. I, and there's probably stuff during Fastbender stuff that you can cut out, but I don't think like the movie slows down there personally. Yeah. I, it is, just because a movie I find like is slow. I don't know how much you would actually shift or take out of. I don't think, again, that's a detriment to the film it just has a bit of a slower pace and i was ready for it to move on to its next phase by a certain point um but that's that's okay um yeah. but it, it really is a it, it really is a, a terrific film um and pe people really should see it i think it is yeah. not it is not for the faint of heart and people should see it and uh i think this gives us a different take on slavery like we've seen a, we've seen a bunch of films about slavery and we agree slavery is horrendous and we shouldn't forget the atrocities we've done in our past as a collective human race or country. Mm -hmm. um, but I felt that this was this found a new way to tell the story like this wasn't just people from another country that got captured and taken to America and sold or that were born into it. This person was a free man and lured into slavery. That's correct. And granted, it's a true story, which is, which helps it. But like I said, it's a, it's a different story than what we've seen of this before. So I, I think that also helps it make it stand out from say roots or something else. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Good point. Very good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tell um, me the fun facts. Yes. Steve McQueen's daughter told him to hire Sarah Paulson after viewing her audition tape because she found her scary. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess it was not. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she was in this movie. Mm. Like I, I saw like Ooh, Sarah Paulson. Yeah. When she it was, was like, not go until to the store as fast as you can. I was like, Oh God, yeah. do it, do it, man. Um, I didn't write it. I didn't write it down, but there's also as an aside to that, she initially had to turn down the movie because of filming for the second season of American Horror Story. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. And Ryan Murphy, the producer, writer, found out. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no, you're going to go do this movie. And they, and then he rewrote stuff around, or and he changed stuff around in the production to give her the time to go do this wow, movie. Wow, that's awesome. Good for Ryan Murphy. Yeah. That says a lot about who he is, too. Wow. Yeah. It was not until after the book was published that the real Solomon Northup learned for certain that the two men who lured him to Washington really had drugged and kidnapped him. He'd always thought of it, certainly, but he'd always had doubts until a judge read his book and recognized them. And it was subsequently found that they had used false names and were actually a pair of known suspected conmen. Huh. Wow. That's terrible. The tree where Solomon sees several men being lynched was actually used for lynching and is surrounded by the graves of murdered slaves. Holy moly. Wow. Yep. So I, I saved the, uh, I saved the curious one for the end. Yeah. Thank you so much. Wow. What a, <laughs> what a time. Holy jeez, yeah. jeez. Anyway, uh, Palmer, before we do the 2014 rewindies, I thought that we should tell people where they can find us for the next time. And, you know, so they have to listen before they find out what wins the Rewindies. So we'll switch this up a bit. So you can find Palmer at Academy Rewind on Twitter and myself at TimothyPG13. And at uh, and you can find us on the uh, website at AcademyRewind.com. Uh, you can find all other Thought Bubble Audio shows at ThoughtBubbleAudio.com. And you can rate and review us on iTunes and all other places podcasts can be found. And, of course, if you have a change to spare you can support all Thought Bubble Audio shows at patreon.com slash thoughtbubbleaudio. Palmer, are you ready for the 2014 Rewindies? Yes. Excellent. Okay. We need to get hosts. Uh, we do need to get hosts. So I've added, I've added sound onto our 2014 Rewindies. So the only one that we're really missing is director, I think, actually. Um, so yeah, which is fine. We can add, you know what? That counts as best picture in the way that we do this. Yeah. So best picture is basically. It really, it really does. Because we're not giving these to the producers. No. <laughs> no, we're not. This is just the movie. So uh, 2014 Rewindies. Here we go. Best supporting actor goes to. Go ahead. Oh, do you want me to go first or do you want to go? Who talks first? I yeah, no, you first. can go first. first. Okay, I'll talk you first talk every first. time. Okay, great. Um, supporting actor goes to Jared Leto of the Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, I'm gonna. I want to give it to Rob Reiner. I really do. Oh, he was great, but he didn't do anything. He was great. Was, he was just Rob Reiner, angry Rob Reiner, but he was angry Rob Reiner. <laughs> he was, you know, right? But I, I like. I thought his character was really good. Um, but Jared Leto, absolutely. Yeah, I almost gave it to Fassbender because I love Fassbender. I thought about that and too. He was like, and he was great, but I think I've seen him better in other things. So mm -hmm. I just yeah. So I just left it. Yeah, Jared Leto. Uh, supporting actress, I'm going to give it to Lupita Youngo, 12 Years a Slave. Again, I got to I got to agree. I really do. She is phenomenal in this movie. So much so that I 
I want to give it to Magarabi. I want to give it to Magarabi. Magarabi deserves all the awards except for this one because she, it goes to Lapita. Yeah, she's Margot's fabulous, but she's I've also seen her better in other movies. You know what I mean? Like, and so like we have hindsight with us, and so this is not this is not her best role. This is this was one of her many exemplary roles. But Lupita is uh, Lupita is quite fabulous in this film. In 12 Years of Slave. Production design. I'm giving it to her for all of the reasons that I listed when we talked about her. 12 Years of Slave. 12 Years of Slave. Very historically accurate. Mm -hmm. uh, best costume design. I'm giving it to American Hustle uh, for the, all the reasons I talked about when we uh, talked about American Hustle. 12 Years of Slave. 12 Years of Slave. Uh, makeup and hairstyling. I'm also giving it to American Hustle uh, for the same reasons. Uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Dallas Buyers Club for that two hundred. I almost changed it once you told me that two hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> thing. I was like, oh, mate, but no, I'm going to stick with my guns. No, American Hustle. Yeah. Best music. Uh, we don't do original song here, of course, because not every of not every movie has an original song, so we can't. Uh, oh, sorry. I'm going to yeah. get to Philomena because it's haunting. I am going to give it to Wolf of Wall Street just for. Um... Matthew McConaughey's mm -hmm. chanting. That actually doesn't count as music, but sure. Okay. I mean, it's music. It's music, but it's it's uh, it's diegetic music, so it actually doesn't count in the score section, but whatever. Um, it's because Palmer watches all the movies on mute, so he has no idea, so he doesn't <laughs> know what the music is. Um, visual effects. I'm going to give it to Gravity because there are no other movies that really have visual effects. I am going to give it to Wolf of Wall Street. For all of the visual effects in it? It has that helicopter, yep. I guess. Yep. Okay. It does. Yep. Uh, cinematography. Uh, cinematography, I'll give to Gravity. I'm also giving it to Gravity. Editing. Uh, oh, I would give to. Go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, we we sw we swapped going first all of a sudden, so I got confused about who <laughs> was supposed to go. Um, editing, I'm also giving to Gravity. Fine. Yay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it works the it, with the cinematography and sound. I am giving to Gravity. 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 Uh, best actor, I'm giving to Matthew McConaughey for Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, I'm going to give it to Edgio Four for 12 Years a Slave. Good job. Good. Best Actress, I'm giving to Judy Dench for Philomena. Amy Adams for American Hustle. Okay. Um, her, this is, I know it was supposed to be fake in the movie, but her fake British accent that was supposed to be real bothered me so much because it sounded so fake because it was supposed to, like, like she wasn't right. really there, but like it bothered me that he fell for it because it was so terribly fake. I'm like, oh, you're an idiot. That's such a fake accent. What is the matter with you? Anyway, um, but she did a good job. A uh, best writing, uh, original or adapted. I'm giving to her. Nebraska. You're giving it to Nebraska. Cool. Yeah. And best picture, all around best picture. I'm giving to Twelve Years a Slave. Twelve Years a Slave. 12 Years of Slave. Very good. Okay. Well, Palmer, next up on Academy Rewind, the 2004 Best Picture nominees are as follows. Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, Seabiscuit, 
Mystic River, Lost in Translation, and The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. So those are movies that we can look up to next. Now, Palmer, you have to go in unbiased here, even though... Uh, I am going in unbiased. I don't think is unbiased, just pointing that out. I mean, to be fair, at least we're starting off with my favorite one. Yes, that's true. And I I don't think you've ever actually seen any of them from start to finish. I've seen this one. From start to finish. This was the only one that that I stayed awake for when I saw it in the theaters, yeah. Now here's here's my question. We're going backwards, like we are going, like so we're like because because in two thousand three you'll have to watch the two towers, and in two thousand two you'll have to watch Fellowship of the Ring. So yeah. so should you just watch them? Should you watch them in order so you can see the complete story? Because it, they are sequels. So no. you're gonna, but then you're gonna be like, who's this person? I'm confused, and I'll be like, you shouldn't have started with the third one. The first time. Yeah, but you didn't finish the first one or the second one. So, <laughs> like, can't watch 20 minutes of a movie and be like, I don't know who this elf is. Like, well, he didn't show up yet. I can't help you. You know? Also, also because um, I'm going to have to watch these again regardless. I'm not watching these movies that many times. Sure. Okay. I mean, that, that itself is fair. Unless you want to who want to be weird about this and record 2002 years in advance and 2003 and then 2004 just so you we're can see gonna, them all. We're just going to record those segments and you're going to have to keep it on your hard drive until until that episode and just pop it in. I could do that. I mean, our voices might sound different because we'll be older, but, you know in the rest of the episode, but maybe. So, either way, we'll find out. Now, remember, Palmer, Return of the King won 11 Oscars. So, yep. get ready for nothing else winning and and Lord of the Rings just winning everything. So, because it is one of the greatest films, trilogies of all time, and one of the greatest films of all time, not my ranking, AFI's ranking, people ranking, yeah. regular people. So, AFI regular people no i mean like i was actually just on because when i was making the chart for the next i was making the chart for the next uh you know the next episode and Mm -hmm. uh, so i was um you know typing in all the stuff and um imdb has it listed at let me see type 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 where did i oh it doesn't show up on the it doesn't show up on the app. That's weird. It was number. It ranked at number seven in something, but I don't know. I don't know like what it is. The Metacritic score is ninety four. Yeah. Unless it's ninety five or above. Okay, okay. Just remember, just remember that your other your just remember your other choices are Sea Biscuit and. You know, Master Commander, Mystic River, and Lost in Translation. Um, so, but Palmer, uh, I've rambled a bit, and they're definitely playing us off. No, I. Oh, too bad. Bye. Bye.